In LDS theology, uh, Latter-day Saints, in their teaching, they have a, a teaching about the afterlife where marriage does continue. So they believe that if you're married in the temple, if you get married inside one of their temples, like we have a temple down in San Diego, down south of me, uh, there's a temple in Salt Lake. They have several temples around the world that they've built beautiful, magnificent buildings. I mean, they are gorgeous, but I mean, nobody knows how to whitewash a sepulcher like Satan because... The substance isn't there, so the look has to be there. So I think Satan makes the best buildings for that very reason. Uh, it's to compensate. But but they're beautiful, gorgeous buildings. You go in there, and if you get married, if I'm Mormon, and my wife is Mormon, and we go into the temple, and we have a letter of recommendation from our local bishop, and then we can give our vows, and we get, we get married in the temple. It's a special religious ceremony where you get, quote, sealed for time and all eternity. That phrase is important in Mormon teaching. You're sealed for time and all eternity. Now, the result of this, if you're a good Mormon, and if you die and you become exalted to godhood, and you become a god, that's Mormon theology, you can become a god, as as much of a god as God Almighty in the Old Testament, right? That god, you can become like that. That god used to be a man like you, and you could become a god like him. So, which is, actually, that idea first came from Satan in the Garden of Eden. But, but if you become a god, then you, if you're a man, with your wife, you procreate in heaven. And she keeps making babies, making babies, millions and billions and billions of babies. And then you can finally populate your own planet with your own spirit children. And you can kind of do Earth 2.0. You can do like the whole thing God did with Earth. You can do that again with your family. This is why in modern Mormonism, they actually still practice polygamy. It's just not in, in the physical, like you don't have two wives at a time on Earth, but you can have as many wives as possible in heaven. This is what Joseph Smith did when he was marrying women who even in some cases were already married. He was claiming that guy's wife for his, this is Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. I know there's a lot of info here. He's marrying some guy's wife for the future so that when he died, she'd be one of his many wives that he could sleep with in heaven and she could just be perpetually pregnant. Um, so this is a problem, right? If LDS theology teaches these things and Jesus says there is no marriage in heaven, then you've got to have an explanation for this. And this is one of the many points in which LDS theology just comes into conflict with the teachings of the Bible. So they have a couple options. I actually looked them up. I thought, I wonder what LDS theologians, apologists are saying about this. One of the options they'll take to get around Jesus's teaching that there is no marriage in heaven is <clears throat> that eternal marriage is only for good people. And Jesus wasn't saying that the, that the good Mormons or the good faithful people who God approves of that they would have no marriage. Jesus was only saying the Sadducees won't have marriage in heaven. And so this was, this was probably the more common way of getting around this passage that I found online as I was looking for how they might explain it. Maybe there's other ways I didn't see. This is the one I found <clears throat> more commonly. Uh, the problem with this view is that in Mark 12, Jesus doesn't give the explanation that it's just the Sadducees that aren't going to get this marriage experience. Instead, it's just everybody. He just says, when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. Right? And, and, and he's just talking about the resurrection in general. This is just a general thing regarding the fact that the dead rise again. It's just a generally general statement about everybody who rises. So Jesus speaks about those who rise and those who experience a positive afterlife experience that there just is no marriage. So that doesn't apply. Um, no angels. Uh, no spouses, sorry, no spouses. They're like the angels. We'll get to that in a second. Now, a second Mormon defense of this passage is from the LDS apostle James E. Talmadge. Uh, Mormonism has apostles. They have 12 apostles. They think that they have one prophet and 12 apostles. They have a president of the church, and these are like the spiritual leaders. 
I mean, they have, they're a very centralized power uh, religion, right? Where they have these 12 guys that are literally considered the 12 apostles of today. Well, back in the day, last century, James Talmadge was one of the apostles. And he said the following, the Lord's, and see if you can pick, pick out how he's reinterpreting this. The Lord's meaning was clear that in the resurrected state, there can be no question among the seven brothers as to whose wife for eternity the woman shall be, since all, except the first, had married her for a duration of mortal life only, and primarily for the purpose of perpetuating in mortality the name and family of the brother who first died. This is in his book, Jesus the Christ, it's page 548. Talmadge is saying that the opposite of what Jesus is saying, the exact opposite, he's saying, oh, she's the wife of the first husband, and the rest only married her temporarily. She'll be married to the first husband forever. Who cares what Jesus says? We have our own answer. And this is exactly um, what LDS theology does over and over again with the text of Scripture. It's not that hard to notice it if you're paying attention.